right, in the following interview, I talk with three members of the cast of Vox Machina, the best fantasy show on Amazon Prime. One of the best fantasy shows out there, if you ask me. It's an animated adaptation of the critical role uh, tabletop game. Uh, and in this interview, I talk with Liam O'Brien, who plays Vax, Marisha Ray, who plays Keyleth, and Sam Regal, who plays Scanlan. Scanlan, the gnomish bard, the ever horny gnomish bard. Uh... We talk about the show, about season two, which comes out in a few days, and uh, we were supposed to have Laura Bailey in, on, in this interview, but she was sick, uh, so we have we have these these three uh, amazing actors and voice actors, and um, enjoy. Hello. Nice to meet you guys. Hey there. How are Hi, you? How are you? Good. Good. I just talked with uh, your, your other half, um, so. How'd they do? They did okay. Okay. I, I, you know. At the, at the end of this. It was acceptable. Who was better? <laughs> Yeah, uh, well, yeah. You it, you'll have to wait for something. me to publish something, and then I'll. It'll be like Ashley, Travis, Matthew, and Allison versus you know. Yeah. Perfect. But you guys are you get your we're one short today because um, yeah, or I, I lost her voice. Yeah. She's That's too sickies. bad. Yeah, I'm sick also. <laughs> I I woke up today thinking, how am I going to do this? But lots of medication and coffee did it. So. Right. Oh, um, awesome. Anyways, uh, so I thought uh, so I'm I'll just I'm Eric. I write for Forbes. Um, and then I thought we could go one by one through you guys. You can say your your name, your character, and one unique thing or flaw about your character that makes them interesting and distinct in the story of Vox Machina. Uh, alphabetical order, Liam, you go first. <laughs> I'm Liam O'Brien. I play Vaxeldan, and uh, uh, Vax throws himself at problems without uh, enough thought sometimes. I'm Marisha Ray. I play Keyleth, who is a wielder of nature magic. And she's got a heart of gold. If she could just believe in herself and her heart a little bit more, she'd be great. Uh, I'm Sam Regal. I play Scanlan Shorthalt, the lovable bard musician uh, character on the show. And his, uh, his weakness is also his greatest strength. He's a sex machine. <laughs> and an that's egomaniac. A, that's that's the right answer for Scanlon, yes. <laughs> no. Um cool. So um so as I mentioned to the other group, I I've I came into the show not having watched Critical Role. So I am a critical role. I was a virgin, I guess I should say. Uh, so I've watched, but I love Vox Machina and I've watched it like three times already. And I'm starting, I've already started the second season, but I haven't finished it yet. Um, so uh, very excited to talk with all of you. Um, and I uh, I guess, so so coming from a D&D campaign and translating that into a TV show, I just, I just thought I'd ask like, what were some of the challenges and kind of also like the awesome things about taking your, your characters and your stories that you, that you played and putting it into a totally different format. So much, so much, uh, so much challenge and so much opportunity um, in adapting. We, we played for over, over 350 hours, maybe 400 hours uh, of campaign one as these characters, we've, they've lived in our heads uh, for almost a decade now. And we know them inside and out, but you know, going back and, and watching the campaign, um, we, we were making decisions in the moment, uh, sometimes based on dice rolls, sometimes based on just what 
what we thought was a good idea at the, at the moment. And it's so rare to get to go back and retell a story and um, have the opportunity to make subtle changes and subtle choices that you didn't get a chance to make. It's, it's almost like that thing where you have a conversation with someone and then 20 minutes later you're like, ah, oh, dang, I wish I had said this cool joke. Well, now we get to we get to say that cool joke. We get to go back and sort of rewrite history a little bit, um, obviously honoring the spirit and the energy of the first campaign and hitting all the beats that we became so fond of and the critters are expecting. But also, we get to go go back and make ourselves sound slightly cooler. We get to make the joke slightly funnier. Uh, we get to ignore the stuff where we failed miserably or made bad choices and. It's just, uh, it, it's, a, it's a wild experience and I, we all get to do it together as friends too. But it wasn't all Pratt Falls. There was a lot of just wonderful, amazing moments and we're spoiled for choice. The, the biggest challenge was going through all those awesome moments and, and deciding which ones were gonna make it into our condensed, boiled down show. Um, which is, you know, a, a hard one to tackle, but um, like we had a lot of good ingredients to work with. Yeah, I really have to tip my hat to Sam and Travis, who are spearheads for the animated series and dealing with all of the executive producers, all of us, and uh, the constant barrage of texts or notes on the scripts or in the writer's rooms of being like, yeah, but, but what about this? But what about me? But what about this character moment? Oh, is that how you're going to do it? Okay, cool. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, as well as Amazon as partners. And, um, you know, I I think most other studios would balk at the idea of this many executive producers, but uh, it works. It's like, it's like writing a show with your mother. You get a lot. You got a lot of opinions, but you also, but you also care about her and want her to be happy. It's true. <laughs> but but like many mothers, because there's so there are so many of you. Mothers. It's a it's a large it's a large adventuring group. Uh, so um, so what's the how, how do you sort of balance that? You know, you're you're you've got a lot of fans from Critical Role who want you know who who's, who've watched these these campaigns but you have a lot of people coming in new like me how do you how do you sort of you know what's the the process of saying okay we want to make this fresh for for everybody we want everybody to, from both these groups to be entertained like how do you how do you strike that balance it's i mean it's very important to us just as a company as a whole um that we want these stories to transcend not just the medium that it started at but also be accessible and transcend our fan base as well and uh you know the critters who watch our campaigns so as much as it is for our fans and we take them into consideration at every turn we do want new audience members to feel welcome and not alienated or like they're jumping into this deep vast ocean of lore and inside jokes that they're not going to understand or be able to keep up with so that was also honestly another challenge or a problem tunity as sam has said in the past (laughs) to uh (laughs) to try and um make sure it does feel inviting to people who aren't familiar 
Yeah, we have to keep kicking the tires and be like, well, this makes sense to someone who has no context of the uh-huh. entire game. Um, but I will say that at the table and now, we are still just making something that we think is awesome. Uh, and just having faith that if that if we love it and we put all our faith in it and it's the kind of story that we want to tell, people will enjoy it. And uh, that was true then, and it is bearing out to be true now, thankfully. When I, when I started playing with these fools uh, so many years ago, I was not a fantasy fan in any way. Um, <laughs> uh, and I fell in love with it because... Um, you know, uh, because we, we did it together and these guys showed me how how cool and interesting fantasy storytelling could be and uh, to someone who didn't grow up with it. Um, and I would love to I would love to pass that along to, to people who discover the show uh, on Prime Video. And I'm really I'm really excited um, when someone comes up to me and says, man, I really love The Legend of Vox Machina. It's it's so great. Um, and I say, oh, have you watched the, the live streamed campaign? And they're like, there's a live stream campaign. <laughs> like that's, th- those are the fans that I, that I want to, I want to find with this show. Um, people who, who don't know fantasy, who don't know, uh, TTRPGs, who don't, who don't know critical role, um, but just kind of stumble onto it and they're just like the stories. Uh, and you guys are all basically remote recording during all of this because of COVID. Is that, is that correct? Most like, of season two was, was uh, recorded separately because of it was in the midst of the pandemic. Yes. Yeah. But, but we're back, baby. We're back to recording in person together. Um, and we recorded some of the first season uh, in person together. So uh, and it's our, it's our preferred way of doing it, but we're, we know each other so much at this point that um, we can we can get through even if we're not in the same room. Uh, we know each other's energy pretty well. Um, season one uh, had a fairly contained story and location. It, it looks like season two is going to be a lot more um, spread out, a lot more location, a lot more globe uh, globe trotting. Uh, can, can you talk about kind of what 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 makes season two different than season one? Well, it's it, it's more of a challenge because we, again, hundreds of hours getting shrunk down to these handful of episodes, and we're going, you know, we're jumping to different parts of the planet and off planet, um, off dimension. Um, so it, you know, it's a, a bigger challenge on on Titmouse, our, our great partners at Titmouse, but um, it it makes the world feel bigger and it sets a bigger stage for our guys. You're right. The season one was a, a more local issue, so we could focus more on the personal interplay between these people and uh, uh, and the villains of the story. Uh, I'm losing the thread. Sam, pick it up. Oh! <laughs> in season one, we we hope that we introduced these characters in the world uh, in small doses to our audience, to a brand new audience. And now that they know the characters, they know how magic works. They know sort of the layout of the place, at least part of the place. 
Now we get to take them on a wild ride and show them what other kinds of magic look like and other kinds of monsters that they never thought of and off world. And it's, uh, it's so great now because now we get to have sort of the fun of fantasy, which is taking it into wildly unexpected places. Um, uh, now that they know the characters, we can go deeper. Let's, we must go deeper. I never and even we thought do. of those monsters. <laughs> um, where, you know, so I guess where do your, I, what I was saying to the other group is uh, it felt like in season one, Pike and Percy kind of had those big, important dynamic character arcs where Pike was struggling with her, her faith. And Percy had, of course, this horrific you know, family tragedy and confronting his demons, literally. And uh, now in season two, like where where are the characters headed? Where who is who is confronted with uh, these these sort of existential crises or or personal growth, etc. I feel like we get into a lot more of all of these characters' backstories and kind of seeing where they came from but also the damage and trauma that has been done to them in their past um you know obviously i think we'll still see even more from pike and percy but man there is some juicy stuff with the twins with vex and vax you get to see a lot of grog and his path uh, becoming the lovable giant that he is now but wasn't always and um and also Keyleth as well there's a lot of heavy themes of kind of remembering where you've come from coming to terms with that and what all of that means and um and what your family has provided or maybe not definitely not yeah (laughs) (laughs) no but you're right Marisha like if if season one focused on the emotional uh, with Percy and Pike, really, we hit all the other five uh, yeah. this season. Um, some more than others, obviously, but everybody from Scanlan to Keyleth to Vax and Vex, they all have existential crises uh, and moments where they have to question if if they're doing it the right way and if their life is um, uh, how it should be and if they're living up to their expectations of themselves. Obviously, not all of those get resolved in season two, but um, but it's certainly uh, we have the the backbone and foundation to keep going with these characters for many more seasons. Uh, was was so speaking of you know kind of on the same theme, like this is a very funny show, but it's also it can be pretty dark and it can be kind of emotionally poignant. And how? How did you settle on a tone for the show? I, I know there's like, a, you know, like when you're in a campaign, obviously the tone is a D&D campaign and, and it can be, you know, it's very, a lot of camaraderie and all that, but settling on a tone for a TV show that is a comedy, but also cut, goes into all these sort of darker places. Was that a challenge? Was that, was that something you had to really work yeah. on? I mean, yeah, we, we, we definitely, um, like you said, the, the, the flavor at the table is so unique and interesting because it can go from um, serious as a heart attack to uh, just the stupidest fart joke you've ever heard. Um, and it was important for us to maintain that, but that is hard to maintain. <laughs> There's not a lot of shows that are 
the the saddest dramas and also the most hilarious comedies uh, at the same time. Um, so it's it's all every episode is a challenge to balance. Um, and uh, luckily, having great great voice actors like uh, Marisha and Liam and the others really helps to thread that needle. Um, but it's it's a it's a push and pull. Yeah, and it's a challenge the balance of making it like that that uh, sort of that essence that scripted uh, adaptation. But that's that's really just as a group that is our chemistry. We are that that. A percentage of butt stuff, tragedy, uh, and, and and bad acidness. Like a, the you, know, you you throw us all in the pot, and that's that's the soup that we made. So that's what we wanted to make the show. Because again, like at the table, and now we're just doing the thing that kind of lights us up, turns us on, and those are the things. Heartbreaking Love butt the stuff. The spectrum between butt stuff stories. and badass. Yeah, <laughs> that's, uh, that's where we are. <laughs> Yeah, I admit I was I was a little um, I was I mean I was pleasantly surprised watching the first season at how you know it'd go from you know a dick joke or something right into like family getting murdered, yeah. <laughs> torture. <laughs> I was like, wow, this is a little whiplash, but I, I like it. Um, I'm curious since we've got you, Sam, uh, with Scanlan being a bard and having some musical bits. How does how did you guys come up with the musical bits? We knew that Scanlan had to sing and perform uh, because that's where his magic comes from. Um, but we, uh, so so we knew we had to get some songs. It was either licensing uh, someone else's music uh, or, uh, or making our own. Thank goodness, um, I many years ago was part of an acapella group in college uh, with a dude who's now my brother-in-law. Um, and we, he and I write the songs for Scanlan, uh, to sing. And it's, it's a really cool collaboration. I've been, uh, singing songs with, uh, my brother-in-law, Peter for 20 plus years now. And we just sit in a room and, uh, and think of stupid, stupid songs. <laughs> and he's, a, he's very musically gifted. And so, uh, it just kind of comes out, but, um, I will say this. I'll, we we end up making a lot more songs than end up in the series. Like there's a bunch of songs that, um, like it'll just say in the script, like Scanlan casts a spell, and so we're like, oh, I guess we got to write a song for it, <laughs> and we do. But then when we get the edit back, we're like, it's weird to stop the whole scene right now for a song, so let's just skip that one. So there's a bunch of songs that are on the cutting room floor. Maybe we'll release it as a as an album someday. Um, but it's so great to to write and perform the music in the in the show, and in season two, fans will get a treat because Scanlan, me, Sam Regal, I'm not the only one singing these songs. Ashley Pike gets to sing a little. Travis got to sing a little. Uh, <laughs> Laura gets to sing a little, and so and some other guest stars. Um, so hopefully, as we go through the series, everyone will get their shot, rocking the mic. Nice. Um. We are almost out of time, but I thought I'd just ask, speaking of guest stars, does look like there's quite a few. Who are you guys excited to work with or that, who were you excited to work with on this season uh, from outside the, the main fold? Sure. So many good ones. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm a big Lance Reddick fan. 
So definitely had a little bit of like a, a fangirl moment <laughs> having him, um, you know, just, just kill it on the mic. Uh, but then on a personal level, it's been such a joy to bring Mary Elizabeth, Mary Elizabeth McGlynn and Will Friedle in who were some of our first guests in campaign one and seeing their characters uh, brought to fruition in the series is just such a treat. The cast has also all fallen in love with Henry Winkler and wish that he was our grandfather. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I, uh, we, we got to work with some, some old uh, friends from the voiceover world of ours. Uh, Robbie Damon is in this season and Janet Varney. Uh, Troy Baker, um, uh, but also new friends that we are just getting to to know and work with. Uh, Abu Bakar Salim is in this season. Oh, cool. Um, and uh, Ralph Innocent, who has the most amazing oh. uh, bowel-shaking voice that you will ever <laughs> hear in your life. Um, and it's been great to welcome new new folks into the fold and, and have them sort of fall in love with the property and, and the stories like we did. Wonderful. All right. Well, I know we are out of time and they're messaging me to stop. So thank you so much for your time and congratulations on the new season. And it was great to meet all of you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Eric. Take care.